Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today we are on episode 77 with the 2021 year in review, and what a year it was for Michigan cannabis. And excited to have on, you know, show regulars fresh off the 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 telethon, and uh, what a telethon it was. Uh, Rick Thompson and Jamie Lowell, the dynamic duo. Thanks, guys, for coming on again. Thank, Thank you. Man. And back with me, uh, my co-host, Tom Beller over at Relief. Tom, looks like you're back at home today. Yep, trying to work from home more these days. I can't blame you there. Blame you there. And Kevin, um, I believe you're over in Lansing by the blank screen behind you. (laughs) Yep, hanging out in Lansing today. Um, Pretty excited to have Rick and Jamie on, man. It's always fun to see those guys and and chat it up with them. Some of the most knowledgeable cannabis guys in Michigan and... uh, yeah, always honored to be on the show with them, and uh, looking looking forward to chopping it up. Awesome, yeah. And we've we've I've introduced I've introduced these guys quite a bit. And if you're it's the first smoking rope you've ever listened to, and you don't know who Rick and Jamie are, well, uh, odds are that's not going to happen. So I um, also wanted to say happy birthday to Kevin today. Uh, you know, congrats, made it through another year. Um, Thanks, guys. I survived another one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah looking yeah. forward. This is going to be the best one yet, right, Rick? I think so. I think so too. I think so as well. So I was just joking with uh, Rick and Jamie. I I turned uh, 45 on Friday, so I got a birthday here too. Not, uh, not to steal your thunder, Kevin, but uh, uh, oh, happy and, birthday to you too. <laughs> thanks. And uh, but uh, I was just kind of reminiscing. Uh, these guys. I'm now older than these guys when I first met them and started my can- real cannabis activism journey at the end of 2009. So it's interesting perspective. You can and... really tell when you look at Rick. <laughs> hey, I, I put a lot of effort into making myself look younger. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I, I look I look back at some of those younger pictures. You guys are you guys have aged well. Must be all the cannabis. Yeah. Um, yeah. No stress either. So. Um, but wanted to jump in the show uh, and start off with a year in review. There's plenty of great things. Michigan had, a, a, I believe, a great cannabis year. Another year under the books and another year, in most cases, I think, jumping ahead of the rest of the competition in the state and the world. So wanted to start off uh, January. It was a moment uh, it was exciting. Jamie, Rick, and I were all there down in Jackson outside the prison. Uh, and Michael Thompson got released, and we worked really hard on that. And Rick, why don't you kind of t- uh, start us off with uh, a little reminiscing on that? Well, it was really a snowy morning, about 4.20 a.m., when about a dozen cannabis advocates, maybe half a dozen people from Michael Thompson's immediate family, and about 30 national news networks were there to watch Michael Thompson walk out of jail free. Part of the fact that they were there was due to Last Prisoner Project and their involvement, but part of it is also due to the work that we've done too. And Michael Thompson, when he emerged from there, his first words were not how grateful he was. His first words were about the people he left behind. Those folks still incarcerated for minor offenses during a time when it was commonplace for us to treat cannabis as if it was a 
it was heroin or, or you know powder cocaine or rock cocaine so michael thompson since then has really dedicated his life towards helping those people that are still incarcerated and he's developed the michael thompson foundation or, uh, i believe the michael thompson project those folks too yes so what a great day it was uh and what a great man we helped to get out yeah that was really the uh, a turning point you know we got, it got all the national attention a lot of people worked on it uh we were excited about it of course the uh the other side of the coin is look how much effort it took to get one one person out one human out that had no business being in jail that long but uh, we hoped that that would like break, you know, break free the momentum and, and start spurring a lot more. Um, it did, but not as fast of, as course as we've liked. And, you know, out of that spurred the uh, Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition, which, uh, you know, we're all members of and Jamie and Rick uh, through the Redemption Foundation, you guys do a lot of work and a lot of help with. And that was started really with the Michigan Cannabis Caucus and the Democratic Party, which Jamie and Rick, you both members of as well and then the last prisoner project so it's been doing a lot of great work in the state since then uh with clemency enforced detroit so um what a great way to start off the year and i know we can talk about a lot of things but you know this is a uh, an industry and a business podcast as well and i wanted uh let's go to jamie uh jamie or rick or any, anybody here talk about michigan sales you know we've we've had record record years um you know uh we're uh, we, we were at the, uh, the MICA winter or uh, gala last, last week uh, or two weeks ago. And, you know, we had Director Brisbane talk about um, expecting to hit $2 billion for the next calendar year. So what are you guys' uh, feelings on the increase and where do you see it going in uh, 2022? Well, certainly uh, uh, there's a, a small group of people that uh, don't seem to be satisfied with the ability to gain more and more market share and, and you know, in this emerging industry and, and find it necessary to try to step on other systems such as the caregiver system. And of course, the issues we've had with the MCMA and Steve Linder and such this year. Meanwhile, I think most of the industry, probably mostly represented by the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, has demonstrated that uh, you cannot worry about that stuff. Be aware of it and and even supportive of it and just keep on working toward creating a uh a, a really good quality product at reasonable prices and people uh, tend to be attracted to that even in lieu of other options in their life and many people might uh choose to solely work in the uh, commercial <laughs> environment some people might want to do a little bit of whatever's available to them and uh and the uh the, the share in that will increase and that's not exactly a business perspective but uh just trying to offer up that this has really been 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 working, and those who are who are providing this to the people who want it are are seeing the results. I really feel like the smaller farms are um, having uh, continue to have, you know, at least from our experience that this was a banner year for us, and things just keep getting better. We had a market correction at the end of the year because prices mm -hmm. are continuing to drop, but still maintaining, uh, you know, a reasonable price point and looking towards, you know, MSRP enforcement and like trying to, you know, kind of get the prices to a point where people are competing with, um, you know, this, if, if everyone's so scared of the black market, why don't you actually, you know, put something out that people want to buy at a price that they can afford to get it at. And maybe you'll find that that's not a problem anymore. But, um, 
you know, for us, things are, you know, it was a really good year. We're looking forward to further expansion and working on our team and, uh, you know, just becoming more efficient really is what we need to do. Um, and, you know, main, remain competitive by, you know, putting out, continue looking for new strains and, and, and keep pushing forward. Uh, hopefully the, you know, the mom and pops out there can, you know, can survive, you know, the boofification, right. Of the, uh, of the industry. And, you know, we, have a stand and say hey you know this is this is our industry there's always room for people that want if people want to play fair there's enough out there for people to to get a piece i mean we're just a small part of a very large industry and we are able to you know provide really good careers and lives for people uh, you know in our circles and that's that's the way it should be it shouldn't be turned into just a, another you know factory type situation i think we discussed yesterday it'd be more more productive for the the industry to want to create more efficiency as you in functionality and remove unnecessary restrictions and, and prohibitions and things like that in order to be more competitive as you know as opposed to trying to take action against other activity or, or focus on other activity as much i think 2022 is a year where reputation really starts to matter at this particular point we're seeing in a commercial industry in the retailers uh, a tendency to go towards prepackaged cannabis which means that the consumer is not able to get a sensory input off the cannabis they're about to purchase. So as opposed to looking at an entire rack of, of purple or white or blue packages, they're looking at brand names now. And when it comes down to that, I think those who've, who've had excellent quality throughout the entirety of 2021 will really benefit from that good reputation in 2022. And I think that as it becomes more competitive as a marketplace, we're likely to see a lot more, um, a lot more companies go towards mergers and acquisitions as their as their ability to manage their store is lessened they might just sell out to some bigger person so we're probably going to see industry consolidation in this coming year too Good. yeah i think rick you're spot on um you know it was a little bit concerning the other day i saw the numbers come out from colorado and and um they had a, another record uh year in in colorado which is the concerning part for me is, as Tom had mentioned, the boofification. You know, that's been going on in Colorado now for quite some time, and people still are lining up out the doors to buy that garbage. And um, that kind of concerns me. So I think that um, this year, I think, um, you know, we need to do a better job of educating the consumer and letting them know that there's better products out there and they don't have to settle for the garbage that is being put in front of them and that they need to start searching out for the better companies, the more craft cannabis, if they want to enjoy what's going on. And, and, um, and so I think that, that that should be a mission we should we should focus on this year, you know. And I, treating people to not just rely on THC as the only barometer of quality of cannabis. I think that's an ongoing education that the industry needs to do. But here in Michigan, I really feel like we need that education more than perhaps other states do. Well, especially because we already knew what it was like. And I tell people in 2010, my whole, all my patient base at CCC for the most part, they didn't care about THC at all. It was like taste, smell, effect, you know, and then we started testing, uh, you know, and uh, with Ken Beyer and uh, our lowest, our lowest, uh, first, uh, you know, like, dollar amount you know our, our cheapest weed was the highest testing and, and actually the lowest was the highest and people still bought it and we explained it to them so it's kind of disheartening but this is a topic like i think about all the time and uh, i'm really passionate about and we talk about a lot on here and I, I feel like it's coming even into better play the fact that we were able to start stave off another attempt at uh you know uh taking over our law and doing things as far as with the caregivers and even the smaller businesses 
Um, when we talk about Colorado, Colorado had their medical program and then they went wreck pretty quick to where they didn't have the 11 years of wars that we went through to build up our base and our interest infrastructure, our friendships, our, our political connections, our, our, you know, just basically everything that went down. So we, we beat them another year because what I've really found out and talking, talking a lot about and I'm passionate about this and you guys are too is the SOPs of a lot of these big MSOs, you know, you take the, the live wells, flourishes, common citizens, uh, there's, and plenty more, um, you know, Green Peak, they, they willow, they, they remediate everything before they send it to testing. There's a reason that willow and all these remediators is, had, you know, took up so much of the Vegas, Las Vegas uh, floor space at the, at the Cannabis Expo this year. There's a lot of people using it, and that's what they get away with in these closed markets that we're talking about the boofification. So what we're seeing now is these small farmers like Tom, Kevin, uh, Driven, and people that have come up and are doing all the work, like you can, can, can produce a, a quality product, a low on debt, and it's not remediated, and get it down to, to similar prices or just way better quality, um, we're going to be... We got a real opportunity in Michigan. So that's my long-winded thing. And that's probably the thing I'm most passionate about is Michigan cannabis. And I think we, we, got, uh, we got an angle here. And they, the, the big guys are kind of playing with a, a house of cards. You know, like they, they, they're not really doing anything special. Um, and, you know, they either going to sell or they're going to get called on it. Well, I think a lot of these things can be addressed by, you know, maybe establishing some kind of standards and grading processes to ensure, you know, what kind of grade the cannabis is. I mean, we don't have any support. You know, there's the, the, the alcohol industry, uh, completely legal. You know, they have their standards. There's, there's their tiers of products. And, you know, there's that's how things are priced. I mean, there's, there may be a price, there's price points for everyone in cannabis. And if you run large rooms and you push, push massive quantities through, and it's just not of high quality, then I'm sure there's people out there that, you know, that, that want, you know, to spend the least amount of money because it works with their budget or, uh, you know, they, the, the biggest thing is if people are remediating things, they need to be labeling. There needs to be some kind of uh, standards based upon science and everything implemented to ensure the safety of everything. And that includes, you know, G when GMP comes along and stuff like that, I don't think that's going to be, that's going to fly. I'd be really curious to see how that happens when things turn federal and a lot of the money is going towards lobbying for the larger grows that are having yeah. to do these types of things in order to do that. And if it actually is acknowledged and as a public health issue as it is, as easy as they're willing, willing to turn and flip the script on, you know, caregivers or other things like that. Yeah. You know, I'll say one thing too, is that it's an important factor to recruit people from the unregulated marketplace into the regulated marketplace. And if the first experience someone has in the regulated marketplace is with some of this boof that, that we keep talking about, the boofification, that's unimpressive. It's not likely to generate any repeat business. And it's also, you know, as a first experience, probably likely to make that person never trusts the regulated market ever again. So it's inherent on all of us to make sure that the, the offerings available to customers really are the best quality cannabis available. And, and I know we mentioned the word willow, but I think a lot of people may not realize that that is an x-ray treatment system to zap cannabis. So hold on, that is an ozone. Uh, That's method. the ozone? The other one, there's a radio. Yeah, there's, a, there's another method that people use radiation in order to, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I've, you know, we've worked with all these people and discussed things with all the reps, you know, we've, you know, every they go they go around all the facilities so everyone knows it's out there we know what's happening we're, we're now we have small rooms they're sealed we, we are very diligent in cleaning and um you know we have three full-time people constantly cleaning everywhere all the time because that's our biggest thing and you know sometimes if you can't manage a certain size you know situation when something becomes systemic it's almost like you know you have you have to do something to save the crop and if people are going to be allowed to do that, it just needs to be, needs to be on the bag. People need to know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really that's what I it's it's uh I don't see the value you're bringing. Uh, so not not you, but like the the big grows that are doing this. Uh, you know, they're trying to get go public or get bought out, and in you know, especially in Michigan, just like everyone else, these big companies are what. What special are you doing? Uh, you're, you're you're building a big grow, a building which pretty soon anyone, like not anyone, but anyone with money can go and get. And you're having a you know you're you can't pass testing and you just remediate it. You got nothing special. So it seems like it's a it's a short game. It's kind of like a little bit of a house of cards. And uh, the longer we hold out and grow great cannabis at, at prices that start competing with the the black market, uh, Michigan will be will be different. And then you know maybe we can get that done in michigan and these other states in illinois pennsylvania those big companies they're the ones that are telling all of the the regulators what to do we're lucky enough in michigan that uh you know we got the micia and and, and a lot of activists so we have we a lot of people that have been there for a long time fighting to keep things that way and you know and we need to keep supporting each other you know the, the fight's never over you know people no. are always going to want to take what you have and you know monopolize on things and it's 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 sad that it's happened to our you know precious medicine hey along those lines i guess i just want to interject that is uh that's one of the like things i'm most thankful for uh, from 2021 is the way that uh the wide-ranging community from the industry to caregivers to compassionate understanding citizens advocacy groups all band together to help protect uh, caregiver rights and to help stave off um, the intrusion of the big money interest plan to try to you know grab more market share and yeah, uh, you, I'm very I just think I'm just very hopeful from that I'm sorry that's, go ahead. that's a good segue Jamie why don't you uh, bring that bring that into the, the show uh, that was going to be next we have the, the caregiver bills you know the MCMA are going after and they've been going after this a while but you give us a quick summary on that well, I mean, uh, I, I guess just to back up a little bit, coming into the to the last year, we were aware that there was brewing activity and things being planned and exactly how it was going to manifest itself. We didn't know. There was then some language that was circulated that got out and that uh, we were able to expose, which discussed not only trying to hurt the caregiver system, but also smaller businesses, the micro businesses and stuff like that. Uh, and eventually, there uh uh, were bills that were passed uh, starting off 5300 to 5302 it grew to a set of uh, five and now more uh, of bills all related but uh, at its core is a uh, fundamental changing of the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act uh, that would result in uh, a significantly reduced plant count uh, as well as a kind of a convoluted method for caregivers to get product under certain circumstances to the commercial market 
but not in a very functional uh, manner. And uh, and uh, the idea that these existing rights would be peeled back for for really no reason. Of course, there are many things postured and and uh, you know smoke and mirrored about this about health concerns and yeah and uh, and uh, you know other things. Um, 72 plants is too much, you know, but you know, stuff like that. They, they really confuse the issue with a lot of people who weren't very grounded in the subject matter. It's been there, there's no term limits, and it's been a little while since some of these lawmakers either they haven't addressed this or they haven't addressed it that in depthly, and they were able to really confuse, you know, these lobbyists who really understand these issues or how to work those systems and are very connected. And, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have a very formidable challenge. And uh, it's take it's so far they're staved off because of the the effort of the, of the largest industry association, MICAA, uh, Michigan Normal, ASA, the Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition, Clean Smoke, and many many groups, organizations, individuals came together to really, in many ways, have meetings with lawmakers on uh, Zoom calls, show up at their there's a rally day that was help hosted by by Robin and Ida and the MICAA. Uh, Many, many efforts. There's a legislative dinner, educational dinner. Uh, Ryan Bringold, we had a rally, the bridge walk dedicated to the issue. Uh, Ryan and Zara Abbas and uh, the caucus and just uh, uh, all these combined efforts and new groups were formed. This crossed all political lines. You know, everybody came together for this on this issue. And and uh, that makes me hopeful for next year. I also think that the same thing happened uh, you know, at least in part with a charitable uh, giving this year and with wanting to preserve the legacy of in the history of, of cannabis, uh, finding that to be important. And I'm, I'm hopeful for that going into 2022 to continue. It doesn't matter any other differences. We come together on those things. Yeah, Jamie, I was uh, I went down to, to testify a couple of times in hopes to testify. Um, and uh, I was shocked by, you know, we have a, a group of house reps discussing the possible passage of legislation and they literally have absolutely no idea what a medical patient is or a adult use uh, consumer is um, the questions that came up from them were absolutely shocking um, you know and and you know I wasn't able to testify because they only allowed about 15 minutes of testimony from the opposition after about an hour and 45 minutes of testimony from the people supporting these bills. But I was I was super happy to see uh, that Rick got a chance to get up there. If, if you didn't see his testimony, it was it was priceless. Um, you know, they they did what they typically do and set Rick up and teed it up for him as far as, um, you know, the stupid shit that they do and and say and rick called them out one after another after another after another um to the point where they basically shut down the meeting and and uh and walked out you know um but um yeah appalling that they that they are so uneducated in in this subject yet want to take the 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 bull by the horns and write legislation is just beyond me how did that go rick uh that was uh get off the chair that's how it was they they gaveled me down and asked me to leave and security guards started moving towards me and pulling their handcuffs out and everything and the fact is as jamie and kevin have both mentioned we had a couple hundred people show up for that first hearing and that's impressive i've been doing this for a very long time since the beginning of medical and i can only recall maybe one or two times in our history yeah. that we had that many people show up to stand up for for our laws for our sick people and it was beautiful to see as jamie's mentioned 
it's it's cool seeing all the all the the old people and the new people get involved uh you know it's we've always said it's death by a thousand cuts and guerrilla warfare and that's you know otherwise they would have just squashed just out in 2010 and 11 and 12 and and 13 so uh I was just having a good email exchange with someone this morning that's new to the industry, but you know, was uh, really passionate and just telling them, you know, we need more, more people like that and more people to come and support us. So I think that's the goal is just uh, welcoming all these new people too, but uh, you know, and shepherding them into the, to the I guess the the ways of the past and 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 the plant. And if you really love the plant, if someone anyone I know that really loves the plant, I guess the that's the one common denominator of everyone that's up there fighting for, for the carrier laws. I, I don't see anybody like that's fighting hard for them. That's just in cannabis to, to make money and, uh, you know, and, and willowing their plants. So, uh, that's, uh, I was, uh, and kind of, uh, transitioning into the next thing. One of the things that I feel like kind of put a, uh, helped put the brakes on, on this a bit and killed their momentum was the old Viridis testing scandal. And, uh, Rick, why don't you tell us what happened to that? Well, the Marijuana Regulatory Agency had been investigating uh, Viridis for quite some time. There was uh, some suggestions of impropriety. They have, I think, 15 active investigations on Viridis right now. And at one point, they determined that they had been improperly testing for bacterial and microbial contaminants, including aspergillus. And so in a sweeping move, which may be the nation's largest cannabis recall ever, Maybe the world. Uh, the Marijuana Regulatory Agency uh, recalled three months worth of cannabis from two Viridis locations. Viridis brags that they test 60% of the cannabis in the marketplace, which, by the way, is something that we should never allow to happen. Can't have one company so dominant in the marketplace that if they were to go under from bankruptcy or from lawsuit, that, that all of a sudden your entire industry is crippled. We shouldn't allow that. But uh, uh, the result was a huge national story suits countersuits it turned out that the court of claims decided that only half of the recalled cannabis should have actually been recalled and they ordered that 50 percent back on the market problem is 27 percent of that 50 percent they ordered back on the market was retested and found to be moldy or contaminated the marijuana regulatory agency sued to say we don't want to put moldy cannabis back on the market and the judge said i told you put that back on the market don't fuck with me and so the marijuana regulatory agency did what the court claimed and of course viridis have naturally pushed really hard to get that that tainted cannabis back on the marketplace our rough thumbnail estimates put it at approximately 30 million dollars worth of the recalled cannabis so there's quite a monetary incentive for them to get that resold problem is from a consumer level there's no way to tell whether that viridis cannabis was retested whether it passed testing whether it failed testing it's just impossible for consumers to know whether that is tainted and known as tainted or whether it was never even retested and could potentially be. So it's it's resulted in a lot of lack of confidence in the system by those who might have considered getting in or trying the regulated marketplace. And again, the success of our industry here is to a certain degree predicated on recruiting people from the unregulated market over to the regulated market. And when we see shining examples of bad behavior like this, it puts a wet blanket on that type of an effort. And I think it really affected the entire industry from that perspective. You know, Rick, uh, I like your, uh, I agree with your comment, but I'm taking a different approach on not allowing anyone to have 60% of the marketplace. Now, I, I, I use this as my argument with people. I was like, do you really think that these 
ex cop crime lab guys that are you know done everything putting you know taking kids away with cps done all this crap that they're these great business people that they magically just won over 60 percent of the marketplace uh no it, that's not the case you know we we know I've, I've we've talked about it and beaten it to the you know like a dead horse on this show but you know they you know that's that's just uh the way you go, you go to Veritas to get higher THC or you want to make sure it passes. So um, if these regulatory or these rules are in place and, and they got called on it and hopefully hopefully more, to be honest with you, that would stop anyone, somebody like that, from getting 60%. So, uh, you know, you, we have we have a lot of great labs in the state that are playing by the rules and, and, are, uh, and are good people. Uh, so um, hopefully these rules are in place for a reason. Uh, I stand by everything I've ever said against these guys, and uh, um, you know we'll we'll see what happens in the new year. They've really uh, damaged the whole um, the other part of this with uh, when we remediate and just care about THC and burn off the terpenes. Uh, we've created they've created a market where the consumer and the buyers of these stores expect maybe you know instead of 20% THC they need 25, 26% now, and that's more important. And they've they've exasperated that. So they did damage to that as well, unintentionally, but it happened. So, And some of um, those 15 investigations the MRA has launched on Viridis uh, center around the way that they derive THC percentages. Uh, they have a, a proprietary method that only they use called the Viridis method. And it's, it's unproven science if you listen to the actual scientists talk about it. So it is something that we should probably expect to see a lot more headlines on in 2022 and probably a lot more court actions as well. Yes, yeah, that has some, a lot to do with the fact of the scheduling of cannabis is that what people are just going to start having some willy-nilly methods that, you know, are they tried and true? Maybe they work, maybe not. But, you know, you have to have standards. You know, science matters. You know, you have to establish baselines. You have to agree on things in reality. So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's really interesting just working on some new labeling, um, you know, maybe discussing like the requirements for for products so there's a little bit more information for the for the customers for sure um i, wa I wanted to talk about unless I've got that's, what, that's what i had that a lot of people do call for um people who are connected with labs are very experienced with that whole methodology as you as you suggested there's not a uh, uh you know a consistent baseline standard that has to be utilized necessarily so it gets kind of confusing and depending on which lab you're working with and i mean the methodology for whatever viridis did for thc could turn out to be completely sound but it's but not that, you shouldn't be using that as you know and compliance yeah. I agree. The fact that they went out of their way possibly to do it just to give higher THC numbers is kind of is kind of silly. So some people suggest that, uh, you know, if that's true, some people suggest that there's a universal standard. There's an international standard that exists. If everybody mm -hmm. just used it. We'd all have that as a baseline to, to start from it and take some of the confusion out of the system. Yeah, it's actually in the law, the standards. Yeah. I have a copy of them. So I wanted to kind of switch gears and talk about good things uh, this year with uh, um events and something that I, i'm looking forward to the most next year is uh, our more events hopefully uh we can get out there and, and celebrate more and, and come together and it looks like uh reggae on the river is happening next year and that's at riverside park where we had canna jam this year which was awesome had, a, yeah. had an amazing time at canna jam uh, very successful and uh it looks like it set the precedent you know for to have a great venue there and uh in Ypsilanti and hopefully becomes an annual thing. And I wanted to talk about that, like plans for next year for uh, any kind of um, events that people are thinking about. 
Well, Canada Jam's coming back, right, Jamie? Canada Jam's coming back, and uh, I don't know details at the moment, to be quite honest, but there'd be some people who have contacted Michael's office, speaking about Michael Kamor, attorney who's a big part of that project, yeah. driving force of that project, um, and has asked for uh, you know maybe some assistance in some of their other ideas from different places around the state, so maybe possibly get involved in some of that. That's not for certain yet, but there's some discussion out there. But I think coming back September, probably instead of October, maybe just to increase the chances a little bit. We got really lucky with weather. Yeah. October 9th, and it was just a beautiful day. I was I'm setting sure up lasers in the rain, though. <laughs> that doesn't sound <laughs> that's how, that's how dedicated you are, man. But you that's know, how we, awesome your show was, too. It was so, It was so, great. Right. The sound is live outside. Sound was awesome. Everything was great, man. Yeah. We put together a good team, man. Yeah. Lansing had a, a wonderful consumption event at Edo Park, which is close to where Redemption Cannabis's uh, home office is yeah. and, and where Ryan is sitting right now. You know, and, and that's a big one. You're talking about smoking cannabis in the shadow of the Capitol, of, uh, of the Capitol Dome of the state right there. Um, and do it every day. I know you do it every day, but when we have thousands of people doing it, and it's an unavoidable sight when people drive down Michigan Avenue, it is one of those things that just drives public perception in our direction, that we're not the dangerous people that they were told we were, and that we are somebody who, uh, we are people who should get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to authorizing businesses and local municipalities, which has been a real problem in 2021 as well. Yeah. and. Uh... That's uh, another one that I heard that's going to take place in Lansing. Uh, there's rumors of uh, a Mardi Gras party that's a consumption event at uh, the Lansing Center with uh, Sensi uh, putting something on. So that would be uh, that would be uh, cool as well. You know, it's always been uh, a dream to, to see these lounges and to see these events. And uh, I know we got obstacles, obviously, with COVID and also insurance and regulatory. But the fact that we've just been able to get some off and... Uh, the can of jam from knowing what you know the odds of it going as well as it did in a short period of time and everything working out pretty amazing that's super impressive on that one guys everyone was involved i had a blast there um i was gonna sober up from smoking uh by listening to uh you know tom play and then that immediately made me way way higher <laughs> so... you can't not smoke while you're chugging <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i took me back more you smoke the better we sound Come on. oh man it was it was incredible it was an incredible it was incredible oh, i can't wait we also saw that, events events in all corners of the state. You saw Southwest Michigan, Benton Harbor have uh, have events. You saw yeah. things up north, Muskegon, um, everywhere. And that really hasn't always been true of the regulated marketplace here in Michigan. Niles, Niles, especially in Southwest Michigan, Niles is. We raised the money for sons and daughters in at, right. at Niles this year, one of the consumption events. Yeah, that was it was uh, it was a great first year. I expect a lot more people. I mean, that that was pretty pretty groundbreaking. Of course, we've always done there's been events around the state, and you know that our caregiver events, and we've all been to them and enjoyed them. But you know, this is obviously something that's licensed and protected by the state, and actually protected by it. So, you know, it's a big it's a big it's a big deal. Uh, we'll see a lot more, and can't wait to see what's gonna be happening ten years from now. Like uh, this is this was that was the beginning of, of all that. Um, speaking of Michael Kamorn, uh, something I was thinking about on the year and the day that's 
important as I know a couple more people it's affecting is uh, he had a big win. He helped with a long time uh, activist, Michael Tui. Uh, they won the, uh, he took it all the way, could have, could have taken it the easy way out. Michael Tui doesn't do that. Michael Camorn doesn't do that. So um, they, they won the, um, Michael uh, Tui was able to use cannabis on probation. So uh, I know you guys have a, a good understanding of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jamie or Rick, you want to run us through that case just a little bit? Well, ultimately on, on bond, uh, uh, probation, things like that have been uh, uh, traditionally in many districts around the state denied use as if it were like alcohol or something like that. It's finally argued, you know, people use this for their medicine, so you, you know, and, uh, and so that was uh, by the Supreme Court determined not a basis for, you know, to deny people their use of as long as they are, you know, in, in the medical program and, you know meet all those requirements and that kind of stuff. It hasn't always been followed. I mean, they're still, they're still fighting it against places are still trying to deny it, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that goes on, but it was awesome. And it did help a lot of people out and yeah. continues to. Yeah, that was a, that was a big one. And then even in, um, one of the things, the redemption foundation, uh, that we've been able to do is we work with Josh Colbert on, on the fighting the operating under the influence of THC as well been able to win actually uh, four of those cases this year or get them you know dropped to a civil infraction of something else instead of you know a, a, a felony of losing your license for five to ten years of some of these these kids and I call them kids 20 years old so we you know we were used to uh, fighting court cases for a while especially under the shooty uh, era that was all we had you know we had to but you know luckily we're used to it and are staying staying on that um as well because you know like it's uh it's nice rick do you have something the system resists change and enforcing things like not considering cannabis consumption as a danger when people are driving on the road that's a change it's a change in law but it's also a change in attitude not punishing people for using cannabis while they're on probation that's a change and it's incumbent upon all of us to keep pushing for those changes. Every little bit of freedom that we gain through the court system or through the regulatory system or through the legislative system, every little bit of benefit that we get, it has a long-term effect. And we should be proud of every one of those successes, whether we personally had a hand in that particular action or not. Yeah, you know, it's funny, guys. Um, I remember when we were um, working on the medical legislation um, you know, Jones was adamant, Senator Jones was adamant that if this was going to pass, that we had to do this mouth swab state police trial, you know, to, in order to pass it. It was at, he was adamant about it. And since that time, uh, over and over and over again, we've seen it from the National uh, Transportation Safety Board. They were unable to incon- or they were it was inconclusive in proving that marijuana at any level impairs your driving more than the minimum basis for a drunk driving with alcohol. And then we just saw that uh, California has done an extensive study and they came out with uh, basically the same results that they were not able to conclusively come up with a nanogram limit, uh, you know, that would that would prove that you're impaired. And, and in fact, they had, they had determined that 
people that consume on a regular basis, that there was absolutely no way for them to identify whether or not that they were impaired strictly off of a, of a mouth swab or a blood, blood, blood sample. So, um, you know, I think that this is something that we have to continue to push forward on and we need to put the, the fire under their ass on it and make them answer to this before we have more and more people getting felonies or getting hung up. The, you know, th- it's a matter of time before we're going to have kids in, in CPS and all those other things that, that it's just going to make this a, a really bad situation for some people. And, and uh, we're going to have to nip that in the butt. I think that's something we ought to focus on in 2022 as well. Yeah, and that's one thing we we definitely are focusing on uh, shifting gears. Uh, Jamie mentioned um, the return of uh, of advocacy, and I know for a lot of us, like or you know me me included, um, I also had a a real bad uh, shoulder uh, situation surgery right at the end of eighteen, and it took me out for a little bit um, I, uh, for nineteen. But we won. You know, we got my legalized pass. We beat Bill Schuette. Uh, you know, we got Dana Nessa elected first pro cannabis attorney general, really in the history of of the country since prohibition. Anyways, maybe there was one in you know eighteen hundreds, um, but uh, you know, so it was such a big. It was like, all right, let's take a breath. Granted, we 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 formed the MICIA uh, for protection. We knew what was coming, but it seemed like um, you know maybe a lot of the uh, the charity work kind of kind of lulled. Um, and and, uh, and the activism, you know, Josie was keeping it going. But I know for me, I, I, I paused it and it took till, uh, you know, me starting Redemption and then the foundation and kind of getting it geared up. And, you know, it took a little bit to get going. Everybody on here is a, is a part of a, part of getting that going. And I really feel like uh, we finished the year really, really strong, um, you know, and with a lot of momentum and people are, are getting fired back up and recognizing that uh, there's a bunch of people in Michigan that are still in jail for cannabis around 1,200. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that need need their records expunged. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of need for training. There's a lot of need for people and their families. Uh, you know, that sometimes need some assistance based on this prohibition. So, um, yeah. How about uh, we hear from Tom and your thoughts on our telethon? Um, I was excited about it, and uh, uh, I'd like to hear your perspective. Oh, man. I, yeah, I've smoked about 17 newbies, <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a good time, man. It was really successful. It was great to see everyone come together and just, you know, finally, you know, putting, you know, putting faces to names of, of companies, too, and people getting a chance to actually, you know, tell a little bit of their own story, you know, cause we, we talked to, we talked to a lot of people, but there, there's th- this industry and the ancillary um, and the impact that it has is so far and wide that, uh, you know, it, it's beautiful to see people continuing to do the right thing. And uh, that's what we're going to continue to do into the next year for sure. Yeah. I you know we, we, it was, uh, it was a, a great idea. It was a fun idea. It was actually uh Nate uh, Darling here at Redemptions, uh, it was his brainchild. He was pushing it. And like everything, he kind of pushes me on it first. Like even this podcast, I resist just a little bit and then we do it. But, uh, um, you know, we ended up uh, bringing together uh, Jazz Cabbage Cafe, Planet Green Trees, and the uh, the MICIA's uh, cast together along with Smoking Rope. So it was uh, was an idea, two hours. We had five-minute time slots. And we ended up, uh, you know, the day before... Uh, running out of room and we had to turn people away. So um, we raised $24,000 uh, way more, you know, we wanted, we shot for 20, 
I uh, didn't know if we'd get there or not, but what a, what a cool thing. I think that might be the first thing time that's been done in the cannabis uh, in the country. And just so everybody's aware, we got a big one coming up in on April 20th, 420. We're going to do four hours and 20 minutes, and we're going to try to raise 50000 for that. And we're going to have some fun stuff right. going on. So everybody will be back for that. And it's 420. There'll definitely be some uh, some smoke offs and things of that nature. So we'll we'll step up our game. We we put that together quick. It was awesome and uh, what a cool what a cool experience uh, having everybody on and um, hearing from uh, so many great people uh, that are that are helping us uh, with with all that. You know, in addition, uh, Ryan, to, to exceeding expectations, uh, you know, for that telethon helping to get word out about uh, sons and daughters uh, garnered some direct donations to them too throughout that process. So even more really was raised and it's a very, very high successfully. And Nate did facilitate a lot of shit in a, in a short period of time. And I mean, that was, it was really remarkable to see the list of stuff he had to knowing how it works to know how yeah. just to, to run through and make sure that it all came together. And then we, you know, added some stuff on at the end and, which was cool too with Johnson. The first year of anything, everyone here knows what it's like now. <laughs> Throw an event or put anything together. So next year, I can only imagine it's going to be even better too. It was great. Definitely have a up my sleeve for the 420 show. We need to talk about. Yeah, we need. We definitely need some tricks up our sleeves and some uh, some special uh, maybe some special guests. Um, some special thanks from, from some of our friends across the country, but. Uh, excited about that. Uh, another thing, uh, not to not to end it on a, a down note or anything like that, but we, you know, this year we're all watching what's going to happen federally and uh, um, what's going to what's our industry going to look like. I've been, you know, disappointed personally on the progress. Uh, I thought there's no reason we don't have safe banking and we have clemency for people to get out of jail and get pardons for people like me. Those are all. All no no brainers. I understand if we're not going to legalize fully, and um, you know it's been uh, kind of dis it's been disappointing uh, for, uh, for for the lack of progress, and uh, um, you know I don't I don't see really anything much happening next year with it. Uh, I just don't. I have no faith in in the current uh, groups on both sides to get it done, and the president. Uh, so uh, what are what are you guys feeling on? on what's going to happen federally and uh you know uh, how's that affect michigan yeah you know what guys um you know just to skip off of that slightly for a second but um you know when we were talking earlier about um you know competing with the black market and, and one of the things that kind of gets skipped over on a regular basis when we talk about these things we talk about red tape we talk about driving the price down through um, being more economical with our processes and, and stuff like that. But the one thing that we kind of just always overlook is 280E. You know, when 280E gets removed from this equation, you want to talk about competing with the black market. Right now, oh, yeah. you see uh, retailers marking up uh, products 100% because they're literally being taxed at a 90% tax bracket without being able to take any deductions at the retail. 100%. You know, so, so um, you know, the 280e i would hope that at the at the very least we'd be able to see the safe ba banking act uh passed uh this year i know that the, the federal government has began talks 
um, about um, you know advising uh, CPAs on on how to file and how to work uh, a 280e a little bit more. So that conversation is starting to happen. So you know, let's just pray that that happens in, in 2022, and um, and we can kind of lift some of those burdens that are that are that are really causing a lot of problems for for people in this industry. Hey Kevin, do you, are you aware of national organizations uh, successfully working this issue in Washington D.C. and uh, who could use some support? In other words, like where some of the, where some energy could go for those who are concerned about this issue. Yeah, I mean the only the only uh, you know group that I know of is the NCIA, um, which is uh, you know obviously the National uh, Cannabis Industry Association, where as the MICIA, where the 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 state. Uh, version of that, but um, the NICIA has been been doing their lobbying days for a lot of years. Um, the, the tough part is, is you know we've got big corporations, Amazon now, Jeff Bezos, those guys, they're all getting involved in lobbying the federal government, and uh, there's just absolutely no way um, that I think that the right voice is going to get heard on a national level when it comes to the amount of monetary funds that these guys are going to be throwing around to try to try to monopolize cannabis on the national level. So, uh, Jamie, you bring up a great point. I, you know, uh, I would love to say throw all your money behind the NICIA and, and, and see if we can make something happen here. But I, I think we're going to need a broader approach here and get more groups and more states um, actively pursuing uh, getting some change that, that, that fits our needs and not what these corporate companies are going to want. Yeah, there's some danger involved with national legalization, too, and, and that primarily comes in interstate commerce. We know for a fact that Oregon has a 300 percent oversupply right now, and, and they would like nothing better than to open Michigan's market and be able to dump that old, perhaps Outdoor. no longer qualifying for testing cannabis on our marketplace and, and really disrupt Kevin and Tom and some of the other independent retailers and producers that have have you know, essentially put your life savings into this industry. We cannot have a, a sweeping motion from the feds right. that would disrupt 50 states cannabis programs. Yeah. So when we see certain things like the Safe Banking Act, I think there's mostly approval uh, and agreement on that. But some of the other things I think we should be more hesitant on. But 280E is something everyone agrees just needs to be just need to be fixed. And that that's a federal tax issue. And to me, I think the federal tax issue should be easier to resolve than federal drug enforcement issues. Yeah, and 280E, I mean, people talk about, oh, there's no federal cannabis tax. BS, uh, I mean, they're, they're, the, the United States Treasury uh, is making out from all the extra taxes these cannabis have to pay. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And uh, good point, Rick, too. What does it look like? That's one of the reasons why you know, in Oregon, it's most of that oversupply is outdoor, you know, low quality and they're, they're, they're good stuff, you know, like these guys grow still fetching, you know, close to what it does here a pound. So there's always that for the little guy quality, thankfully. But, um, that's why in Michigan, like we, we don't want to like have 10 big licenses or, or just have this, this monopoly. We got to get better every day. This is a, this is eventually going to be a global game. And like, these states that are just sitting back and uh, even like Colorado now, but, you know, Pennsylvania, Illinois and Florida and, and they have these limited marketplaces. They're they're getting away with the with the willow and, and just, you know, kind of moving right along and thinking they're doing something they're not. But I do like the the bill. Like there is another group that's uh, one of the guests we've had on the show. Weldon Angelos is working um, with with some uh, actually some Democrats, but mostly Republicans, including the Koch brothers and. They came up with that bill where it was 3% national tax and then kind of basically uh, clemency, um, get 280E, safe banking, but then states' rights. So like 
if if you don't want legalized cannabis like a, a market you don't have to have it kind of like we do with the municipalities here and and you can decide on all that so i'm that was that was that was something I actually that that was something I would get behind, um, you know, if it was going to bring us all the other things and allow Michigan to make the right choices. And hopefully, I know we have Director Brisbane is part of the national regulator group, and and they're and they're trying to get a voice with uh, with the feds as well to make sure that you know that our economies are protected and our jobs and you know what would have happened to Lansing and then how many people would tell the feds to get bent if they told us we had to like shut down <laughs> shut down anyways you know like all right you're gonna arrest us all I don't know but uh uh fascinating uh we'll we'll see it happen obviously in in our lifetime uh guys I'm uh, as, a, as another great year in review uh, I wanted to give everyone a chance to say say goodbye and uh see you next year kind of stuff so with that we'll we'll start off with uh kevin yeah guys it's always a blast having you guys on the show chatting it up um you know uh there are there aren't many like i mentioned earlier not many people in michigan that have as much knowledge as you guys do have your fingers constantly on the pulse um i i honestly don't know how you guys do it sometimes jamie you and rick you guys are at everything um i try to be at everything but it's hard man um you know we got all lives to live and you know tom being all the way up north it's a long drive and stuff so hey we appreciate you guys um making our presence felt everywhere that we that we go appreciate you guys coming on the show and i hope you guys have a great new year make 2022 the best one yet eh all right all right tom well i just want to wish everyone a safe and elevated new year and look forward to seeing you all in 2022 and uh yeah just keep on rocking yeah appreciate y'all thank you jamie yeah well again i'm encouraged at that uh, what we've seen happen this last year in terms of the ability for so many factions of this larger community to come together and help out when needed for things needed for important things and, I, and that's got to happen into next year in order to, to to keep on pace but but i'm very encouraged if from a from a very tangible thing. I'm encouraged next year. Uh, finally, the uh, the bill to take cannabis off Michigan's Controlled Substances Act will be introduced, and it's you know a jinx it, but it's headed toward being a bipartisan bill with a lot more supporters than we ever imagined. When, uh, You've been working hard on yeah, that, Jamie. Two and a half, yeah. three years now. Good job. Yeah, I've heard a lot about right. it. <laughs> Rick, well. It, 2022 will be a dynamic year. If you want to look at some of the historical things we talked about today, Jazz Cabbage Cafe is going to start season six in January of 2022. Wow. You can look back at some of those old episodes to see exactly how we beat Bill Schuette's ass. I love it when Ryan says that. But uh, the fact of the matter is we still have a lot left to do. And as we've talked about today, we're more unified in 2021 than we were in 2019, I feel. Yeah. And, and more people being involved is a better situation for us all to be in. And when more people have good information, they make smarter decisions. So all of us are to be praised for our role as, as information gatekeepers in the way that we've presented info in a way that's easy to understand and that's delivered you know, weekly to people when they really need it. So kudos to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, thank you everybody. And you know, I'd like to say uh, uh, what a great year. 2021 is by e easily the best year of my life. And uh, you know, this, uh, you guys are all, all a big part of it. And I'm super looking forward to, to 2022 and just very encouraged by 
the you know being po- I, I'm look 2022 is the year I'm I'm looking all positive. I'm take I'm st- I've, I've said it before and I'm doing I'm out of politics for a year. I'm going to see how many people we can help and how many people we can lift up and I'm really encouraged just on the different uh, forums that I get on and then people reaching out new new people coming into the industry ancillary or or, or not from other uh, uh, fields learning about kind of the good and the bad and now listening to the show or or reading about things and and wanting to be on the side of good and ethical and i had a conversation a long email this morning about how one guy was about ready to get out of the industry and then he found out about all the stuff that like you know we were doing and it was looking for so like it just wasn't all snakes and uh you know hustlers and um you know that's that's the good thing uh keep on coming keep on joining and uh, everyone out there that listens uh, listens every week, we appreciate it. And we'll be back next year. See ya. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.